enter a nexus of science, violence, and nonsense, where fake news, pseudoscience, and weaponized stupidity meet full-contact fact-checking and peer-reviewed ass-kicking. And as always, no bullshit allowed. Recorded live at Bullshito Headquarters in Austin, Texas, this is the Art of Fighting BS Podcast. Man, you come right out of a comic book. Chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun. Chocolate is an octave of sun energy. Brain chips in the trips. They get the trips. Special vaccines that are really nanotech that already re-engineer their brains. What, what are you gonna do? Excuse me, sir. I don't want any trouble. Sure, on some planet, your style is quite impressive, but your weak link is this is Earth. Hey, well, I get to learn karate. Karate, the Dane Cook of martial arts. No. We do not need that many vaccines. What does the scouter say about his power level? It's over nine thousand. We have a saying back home that if you're coming on. Come on. Keep the yoga mat out of your mouth and on the floor. You know friends and family that eat yoga mat? Oh, in the parking lot. Are we fucking on the phone? Get him a body bag! Yeah! Alright. <laughs> everyone frost again and thank you for checking out another episode of the art of fighting bs podcast today's episode is going to be a little bit difficult for some people to get through not because the conversation's bad or anything uh it's actually a pretty lively interesting conversation uh, goes off the rails a little bit at some points but no because it's going to challenge some people's ideology uh not necessarily with regards to the subject matter but the fact that we're having it in the first place a lot of people are of the opinion these days that having a conversation with anyone you may disagree with on either side of an issue makes you the bad guy. They don't want anyone who disagrees with them to have a platform at all. So uh, you can call that cancel culture, you can call that whatever you like, uh, but we don't give a shit about those people. So if you're here, you're probably here because you're like-minded with us and you want to hear opposing opinions. And that's exactly what you're going to get if you happen to be on the political right. Which, to be honest, in full disclosure, I have been personally for most of my life, although I do my best to not let my personal opinions get injected into our analysis of things on the site. We're here to call bullshit, and that's what we do, and bullshit exists on both sides. And these days it seems like bullshit exists in copious amounts on the extreme ends of both sides with the middle kind of either being flaccid or ignorant or lazy. So everything just sucks in general. But today's episode is a conversation with Antifa. And when I say Antifa, I mean one of its longer time members, if you can say members. Um, He has also been a member of the forums and gone by the username Antifa. So on two fronts, this is a conversation with Antifa, and that's going to upset a lot of people. But like I said, if you're one of the people that can't expose yourself to ideas you don't like, then don't give a shit about you. You're you're weak-minded. And if you are one of those people who is willing to challenge your ideas, willing to listen to somebody, willing to have an uncomfortable conversation, then you might get something out of this. So take a listen. I think it's worthwhile. I think you'll enjoy it. 
And if you don't, like I said, hey, there, there's a there's an exit button on whatever the hell app you're listening to. So go back to uh, looking at fucking minions memes on Facebook to confirm what you already want to believe. All right. Anyway, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to yet another episode of the official Bullshito podcast. Da da da. Yeah. Often imitated, never replicated. Tonight we have starring Frost. Hey. J and P. Hola. We have special guest uh, who is an independent journalist and publisher. His name is Jerry, and he participates in Anti-Racist Action, which is a uh, offshoot group from Antifa. And I am, as ever, your incompetent host, Sub Messenger. Hey, Jerry. Hey, so, um, okay, let, let's talk about the uh, affiliation structure, because, as I understand it, the whole point of anarchy is not to have any archons or any, any rulers or that kind of thing, so much hierarchies. So... How was how does ARA and Antifa and do you like have an idea like can you explain this to somebody that just heard the word on fucking Fox News? Okay, this is how my organization works and has worked since 1994. Um, we are a network of chapters. The chapters must be internally democratic. Chapters are responsible for their local area. Chapters um, vote on things that happen at a network level. That would be political endorsements, changes to our points of unity, um, the, expul- the expulsion of members at the national level. Um, we honor the expulsion of people from individual. You're not allowed to city hop. Um, we are intern- we you know we assure that our chapters are internally democ- democratic. Um, anarchists aren't necessarily you know don't form groups. Um, we are capable of forming and having democratic structures. However, um, with and that is you know there are many strains and schools of thought within anarchism. It is not a singular ideology it is a body of thought going back hundreds of years with literally hundreds of philosophers and different modes of organization there are some anti-fascist groups that are less organized there are some national networks with different modes of organization um the oldest labor union in the united states the oldest existent labor union the industrial workers of the world is functionally anarchist, was founded by anarchists, still exists today, in some cases um, participates directly in anti-fascist work. They wouldn't identify as, you know, your typical media black bloc anarchist. They normally show up in, you know, however they show up, um, but they're... They have a general defense committee of that union that does, you know, picket line defense, um, fundraising for strikes, and they will, you know, based on their local needs, they will turn out for anti-fascist demonstrations. So the idea that the idea that there is a national thing called Antifa and it's organized, that's a lie. 
So there's no cohesive um, identity. Not a lie. It's um, a misrepresentation. There are anti-fascist groups of varying kinds with varying levels of organization and varying sizes. So what you're saying is there's no president of Antifa and it's not you? To be clear. Uh, no. Okay. There is no president of Antifa. It's not me. That being said, um, I have spent, uh, let's see, 1994 to now, 25 years in the same organization. Um, I was fighting Nazis before that. I joined at the founding of Anti-Racist Action as a national network as opposed to a sort of loosey-goosey collection of chapters, which goes back to 1988 or 1989. It was founded as a network here in Columbus in the zip code I reside in, actually, in a high school that we spent $8,000 renting for a weekend from the city of Columbus Public Schools. And we worked out the points of unity, which quite a few groups use now, um, on a blackboard in the auditorium at the end of a weekend conference. Yeah, I can imagine then how that would play our, in Fox News today. Can you, I mean, seriously, like, Antifa takes over high school classroom. Yeah, that, that would um, be Well, it was an auditorium, um, and we didn't take it over. Well, it's we Fox News. It. They're not going to get the little details right either, so that's fine. Yeah, no, we. It was we a classroom. It. it was a preschool children's we paid classroom. The local government for use of an empty school on a weekend. And I can even see then that I was like, Antifa's using money in the capitalist system. They're hypocrites and blah, 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 blah. And Laura Ingram doing the, the Nazi salute at the. Anyway, so I think, I think one of the best things that we can do here is I'm going to be accused of giving you softball questions here. And I, I'll just come out and say it. Whether or not Bullshito has uh, any bias, and you know we hate, we we don't editorialize uh, editorial editorial wise. Sorry, I was swallowing my, my own tongue. We, um, I mean, I have a glaring bias against fascism. Now, I'm sure my personal take on it is nowhere near what yours is, and um, we're almost on opposite ends of political some political spectrums, uh, but. I want you to have the opportunity to explain to people that, well, because we have people of all walks of life. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some hardcore right wing Fox News listeners that are going to pick this up. I want you to take the opportunity to explain to them, it, assuming they're not going to just shut this off, what what you're trying to accomplish, what the end goal is of ARA and and affiliated groups, and the difference between what you do. And like the what, how they paint you guys. Well, let's talk about. Um, I mean, what what we do. You see, five to ten percent of what we do, and you see the most video worthy five to ten percent of what we do. Um, you know, there are no news cameras, and it's not very exciting when we're doing research or. Doing in, in, a lot of what we do is intelligence work. There is an intelligence aspect. There is a political aspect. There is a military aspect to what we do. Um, 90% of what we do is not exciting, not exciting at all. Just like to put 50 people in the street um, 
How many people do you think we have making that happen? Somebody's got to feed everybody there. You know, we have to have a meeting afterwards. We have to have a meeting before. We have to have legal support. We've got the lawyers lined up before we even before our boots are even laced up because we know the cops are always going to come heavier on us than on them. Every time we have to have a secure place for people to stay, we have to have child care. Yeah, collectivized child care for people that brought their kids. We have to have the ability to fix cars. All of the logistical things that come with moving a small army. And this All of is those what problems have to be solved at a grassroots level. Gets the people level. to the Proud Boy rallies. All the stuff behind the scenes. The you know. All the, yeah, I mean, like that. Like that is one aspect of the work that nobody sees. Yeah. Um. And one aspect of the work that some groups haven't figured out yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, here in I mean, the Midwest, here in the Midwest, because we have a long tradition, and I've done, I mean, as you all know, but maybe the listeners don't, I lived in Texas for five years. Um, you'd think that I went to a lot of events in Texas. No. Compared to the work that I've done in Ohio. <laughs> yes. In 1998, 1999, 2000, I went to 100 Klan rallies a year. That's insane. Yeah, you would think Texas would be, not to denigrate the state that I live in and you know, and am, am in right now, uh, but you th Texas would be more of a target-rich environment for that sort of thing. I guess, to our credit, it's not, or is it just no, not as active? Neil, you live in Austin. Okay. It's a liberal okay. bastion. Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, but that, I mean, that, that, the thing is, is what I used to say to Midwestern comrades that came out to visit, I would say, welcome to Fortress Austin. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but if you drive you know, when, like 10 hours in any when direction, them up at the airport. you're still in Texas. So, I mean, dude, that's... Don't go to Viter. Viter, um, Texas? Yeah, that's where they dragged... Uh, no, that was Jasper. No. Or was it... Vider, oh, okay. where they dragged him behind the, the gentleman behind the pickup truck, Mr. Bird, as uh, I recall. I know somebody who grew up there. It was a black dude, actually. He's like, yeah, I, I got the fuck out as soon as possible. Um, yeah, don't go there. Well, I've had to go to Jenna, Louisiana. Uh, <laughs> then there's Erath County, Erath County, Texas. Evenville, that was, yeah, a lovely place. A lovely place for a clan rally. Been to a couple there. Got arrested at one. Hmm. That sucked. Got arrested before I even got to it. Oh shit! Oh, so, oh yeah, no, it was. It, um, yeah that that was that was a really 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 funny day. That was a really 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 funny day. Um, we got stuck up by the border patrol on the way into. On the way into Stephenville, one of the the driver of the car that I was in um, had a mail scale for which he actually used this mail scale not to weigh bags of marijuana, but to actually weigh glue for weird sculptures that he did. However, they decided that that was somehow marijuana paraphernalia and arrested everybody in the car for possessing the same piece of marijuana paraphernalia well i mean you guys do share everything <laughs> sorry uh, that's a communism joke no collectivist collective so uh, one thing no, we're, i mean <laughs> yeah, it, it, i know, I know uh, I'm, I'm i'm just i'm trying to 
trying to in, inject some levity in, into that. But so one thing, this is JNP. One thing that uh, Jerry has always Im- impressed me with is um, having never lived in the Midwest is the infrastructure that is present in the kind of white nationalism movement in the Midwest. Because I I really had no idea, and there's it's entrenched, and um, there's connections to local governments and i definitely see that having followed jerry for years and years and years so can you touch on uh, some of the entrenched aspects of that white nationalism that kind of permeates uh, various governments local governments let's let's touch touch that when we get to portland okay yeah i mean that would be there's an example that would of that. be the perfect place although technically it's kind of not the midwest but okay well well, I know, but well, I, there's I mean, a specific that, documented you know, I mean, that, that, thing. That, is, that question is critical to understanding something else that we had wanted to talk about tonight. Okay. And that yeah. would be... Yeah, no, that's... And, and that, that, that would be perfect. Okay. I mean, we can go ahead yeah. and just jump into Portland. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll kind of circle back around to, to getting the history of everything and the, how the ARA, how, how anti-racism... And anti-fascism overlap. I mean, other than the fact that you know fascists are more than likely going to be racist, I don't think there's any egalitarian, you know, LGBT loving fascists out there. If there are, please let us know, and maybe we'll even have you on the podcast. I, just, but but they don't. Um, not with me on it. <laughs> no, no, no. That, <laughs> that I won't appear. It, that I won't appear there. It, but, would, um, it would be hilarious. Uh, I think those are mutually well, exclusive philosophies. But okay. yeah, I don't know. It's, well, let's talk about, well, I mean, if you want to talk about that, the original leader of the Brown Shirts, Ernst Rome, was a very, very, very gay man. Because, of course, he was. I mean... Um, as in, as in, lived in a castle with a hand-picked bodyguard of young blonde boys hmm. in uniform. Yeah, that, that, that happens a lot in Congress, too, is, you know, very crusading against... You know, especially in Florida. Um, yeah, or uh, fucking however, the dude from uh, Colorado. Oh God, I forgot, I forgot his name. I hate that guy. Um, head president of the American Evangelical Organization, whatever, got you know, costed, busted. Uh, you know, getting massages from from gay dudes. Dennis Haster. Was it was standing it, congress? Was, no, this was, was a long congress. time ago. Yeah, congressman. That, that was a congressman, but there was also the seriously the president of. Uh, American Evangelical Organization out of Colorado Springs. Well, the dude that ran the number one gay conversion therapy just recently came out and said, oh, by the way, I'm gay. I'm really sorry. I didn't even keyboard that doesn't <laughs> At clap. least he had expertise, right? Oh, God. All right, so are we going to circle back it's around the portal? I need to get this, this guy's name or it's going to bug me. Doing very gay things. That's awesome. George Wreckers. Ooh, you trying to download something? That's creepy. Uh, George Wreckers. Ted Haggard. That's who it was. Number four. Bishop Eddie Long, Paul Crouch, and John. Okay, I don't know these people. But yeah, it was Ted. It was Haggard. Not not Merle. All right, so that was a great trip down Homophobia Lane. Um, so let's let's do Portland. Yeah, go ahead. And you're yeah, explain Portland from your side of the, the milkshake. From my side of the milkshake, first of all, there was no cement in the goddamn milkshake. Let me say that again. There was no cement in the milkshake. If I put cement in a milkshake, it is not going to set up. Cement is a chemical reaction where 
it crystallizes. That's what makes it hard. In doing that, it expels water and it generates heat. So you are going to have, if you put sufficient cement in there, a lump of cement and milk on top of it. You will not have any ice cream. You will not have any shake. It will go thin. Second of all, it's not going to set up because one thing that will prevent cement from setting up is sugar. So it would have had to be a sugarless vegan milkshake with way too much cement to do anything. Nah, he just got punched in the head. That's it. That's it. There was no cement in the milkshake. And Andy Noah is a big fat liar. The end on that. Yeah, um, they, uh, they've you know, shown that I he just, he was um, like only selectively editing the videos. And somehow he uh, mysteriously ended up not listed as an editor on Quillette anymore. So, yep. and, and to oh, be fair, I, I actually follow Quillette. I mean, some of their stuff's good, but some of their stuff's like way the hell. Yeah. So, I mean, just a full disclosure, I'm not like anti-Quillette, but I think they probably could have handled that a little bit better. Said, yeah, Andy No was full of shit. And that's why he doesn't write for us. should have never hired him. Probably the man, fair. The man has no creden- The man has no credentials. The, the man has no credentials other than what he's doing in Portland. And Quillette gave him reach far beyond his abilities as as a journalist. You know where he's at the same time he's doing that. He's parroting the idea that the Dayton shooter in the recent round of school shootings was somehow an Antifa uh, an anti-fascist activist. Uh, no, he wasn't. Um, I'm an hour and a half from Dayton. I know all the activists in Dayton. I organized for the Klan rally that this guy was allegedly armed at. I was there. I did not see him armed or unarmed. I definitely didn't see him armed. The only people that were visibly armed there were the Black Panthers. He's white. That just takes him right off the map right there. He, is not a, he was not a member of any identifiable group in Dayton or anywhere else in the Midwest. Andy knows was just pulling that out of his butt because somehow the guy said he was at a Klan rally. Maybe. There were 3,000 people there. Maybe he was somewhere in the background. And I was busy doing a bunch of stuff. But no, there was, this guy was not there with a rifle. Sorry, it didn't happen. You lied again, Andy, and stop it. Yeah, well, uh, I think he's basically lost all his platform. I've, he's all done. Yeah. He, he, he's he's lumbering. He's lumbering down the Milo down the Milo path. Yeah, yeah. goodbye. Yeah, uh, there was a thing. I actually saw this the other day. There's some other platform that a lot of those guys fucked off to, but um, somebody had a, a copy of his tweets or whatever the the equivalent of their tweets were, and he was whining because he only has like 20k followers over there now. And he can't make any money, and it's kind of hilarious because that guy's a fucking douche nozzle. I mean, anyway. So back to Portland. Um, you have pointed out Andy knows full of shit, but you also have a take on local government embedding with one or the other side. Okay, let's talk about Captain Kruger. Are you familiar with this man? No. Okay, Captain Kruger. Um, I believe he is currently the head of the. Portland Police Academy. Before that, Captain Kruger was the head of SWAT. Before that, he became embroiled in a lawsuit because somebody put up a World War II memorial and he added 
the names of SS soldiers to that World War II memorial. Holy shit, that is... Was, all kinds of not okay. Okay, he was fired. He sued. His union backed him, and he got his job back. Then he was put in charge of SWATs. Then he was put in charge of the police academy. Before all of that, I remember from 20 and 25 years ago, Sergeant Kruger driving his patrol car around the black neighborhoods of Portland, literally blaring Hitler speeches out of his car. No. Yes. Uh, like, like anybody's going to understand fucking German in the first place, but yeah. I, uh, it's like bad socks at Christmas. It's the thought that counts. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, I mean, uh, Oh, God. Um, now, when I say, okay, are there institutional connections, when the person in charge of training new officers for a batch of years is an actual Nazi, you have institutional bias rife through a department, and that shows in now... You have that as a 20, 25-year history, escalating history. Now we have something that you use that as a lens to look at. Why are these guys coming from all over the Pacific Northwest to play their little Nazi game in Portland? And what are they doing? Immediately attacking the mayor. Why are they attacking the mayor? Because they're backing the police department. Who is backing them? I mean, these guys were caught in a parking garage with rifles looking to cover their own march route. They were setting up a sniper post. How were they caught? The cops went up there to set up a fucking sniper post. Oh, shit. Okay. The police did not even take their names. They're like, okay, uh, guys, uh, it, no, I'm sorry. We got dibs. Get out of here. Didn't even take their names. I remember uh, when this, all this was happening... Uh, one of the big points of contention was that the the opposite side of this issue was arguing why why aren't the police doing more? The mayor told, tells them to stand down. They made it about about the Antifa that were showing up to protest Proud Boys and you know assorted ancillary groups. Uh, right, but they're not showing up. They live there, and the Proud Boys don't. So that is an important distinction to make. Uh, I mean, especially if it's your you know, backyard. That, that for start for starters, the anti-fascists don't have to bust in. Now, if you want to talk about this most recent thing that happened, the hammer incident, right, and, that Andy No tried to publicize. And I think that's came, what got him, uh, like, yeah, discredited. Ultimately. Okay, and, and that was the last straw. That hammer started on that bus, not the other way around. They were pulling a guy onto the bus and beating him with a hammer. The hammer got taken away from them. Yes, and there's video that shows that now. Uh, that that's can't come out from a different angle. Okay, let's talk about the bus. The bus was brought this group called the American Guard. The American Guard, one of its founders is a guy named Brian James. That's with an I E N Brian. Brian James, um, before he was running the American Guard, ran a thing called the Vinlander Social Club which is basically Nazi skinheads meets biker gang. You sure it's not like a wine wine tasting group? Because it kind of... 
No, 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 no. It's because, you know, it wasn't Christopher Columbus. It was our Nordic forefather, Leif Erikson, who discovered America and it's Vinlands. So they're the Vinlanders. Uh, they even have a flag. Okay, it so looks I, like the Icelander flag. It looks like the Icelandic flag, except it's green and blue. Green, green background, blue cross. Um, they, before that, the Vinlanders Social Club went by the, in, by the moniker the Outlaw Hammerskins. The reason why they were the Outlaw Hammerskins um, was because their group, 13 of them originally, were expelled from the Hammerskin Nation for being too violent. Wow, that's that's an achievement. That's an achievement. As in, they were they were instructed by the head muckety mucks of the Hammerskin Nation in Dallas to remove this man to remove a member's patch. So they held the guy down, stuck pool cues in his armpits, and burned his tattoos off with a blowtorch. Seems reasonable. Um, the Hammerskins <laughs> yeah, were also yeah, a national it, I mean, white like, nationalist like, group, right? It, yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, 18 years ago, and these guys are like these guys are are your like movie quality, you know, catchy face baby eaters. Like they are those they are those Nazis. They're the ones that actually, um, yeah, they're they're you could you should probably be a little bit concerned with. They're not the the weekend dudes that the you know 20 years or 20 generations of inbreeding that you know probably can't handle a fight. The ones that most need face punching. Yes. Mm. Well, no, these these were movement lifers 18 years ago and willing to stand up, you know, and they there is a gangster aspect to what they did. They most they were mostly active in Ohio, Indiana, later Pennsylvania. They pulled in affiliates in Pennsylvania. Um, they were a very big money making organization. They ran a number of tattoo parlors lower-end strip clubs, um, a cable installation subcontracting business, and they did a lot of drug running. So for the completely uneducated listener that's listening to this but watches a lot of television, like Sons of Anarchy plus hatred of non-white people. Um, Maybe minus motorcycles? No motorcycles. They, they, they did, it was like a motorcycle club. But they were more a car club. They they did the car club thing for a little while, but not imports. But obviously, right? Not imports, okay. right? Okay. Um, and then now they've morphed into the American Guard, and Brian James is rolling a converted school bus out there. Um, I've seen the man's house. I've had the man's house in Indianapolis under surveillance, actually, which is not easy because. You know, he's got his buddies living on either side of him, and all three of those houses are covered in cameras. It is not easy to keep a camera on that house all night when that house is covered in cameras. Yeah. Touching on the intelligence aspect of what we do. Yeah, not fun work. So back to... Up once and, these guys, and these guys will kill you. They're responsible for nine murders that are known. So I, um, this is JMP again. I have over the years uh, talked to Jerry on uh, a couple occasions where he was worried about his personal safety because some Nazi or some person was, um, th you know, literally threatening him. So it's it's actually a big deal that Jerry has named himself as Jerry rather than Antifa. But <clears throat> some of that has to do with them. Um, it's just a lot less confusing. 
Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. did we mention that he's, he goes by Antifa on the forums? Was I paying attention? No, I don't think we mentioned that yet. Yeah, so that that's that's kind yeah. of a, a little in-joke of ours. And, and did a long time ago when people were like, what the hell is that? Yeah, nobody knew what the hell it was. And we had the Bullshito anti-fascist goon squad. You guys all had, like, mm-hmm. a, your your signature icon. It was... It was cool, but and nobody really made a big deal about it. It was strangely, it wasn't as contentious back then. No, because it wasn't a talking point at that point. And, so, yeah. are we going to um, touch on? There, there were there were there were a couple of people. There were a couple of people out there. Um, you know, I can I can I can name a couple where I'm like, yeah, if I ever show up in Belgium, you and I are going to have to have a talk, buddy. Um, I know that guy. There, there, there were there were a couple of people that I had real questions about, and then there are other people that are, you know, let's face it, Bullshito is basically troll heaven. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it didn't start out like there. that actually, but it kind of changed. Well, we, we, as, I mean, no, we, we started out as all trolls, <laughs> and then we got some legitimate people. It was, it was troll purgatory, and it's like, oh, no, now no. we have a mission. No, but there was a brief heyday, like way back when, and it was in the very you know, gestational period where there were a re- lot of really, really fucking smart people on Bullshito. Yeah. That is no longer yeah, the case. Now. <laughs> Great. Hey, we're we're uh, really convinced people to go visit. We have a few smart people on Bullshito now. Yeah. Uh, I am not one of them. No, I, was, right. I was brief. I was, I, I, I gave it a, I gave it a brief look and I'm like, okay, there's still people with brains and names that I recognize here. And there's still people I'm like who? It's, it's about the same distribution of like, Oh, that guy. Yeah. That's true. That thing, you, that thing that you do where, you know, that hole in your head, the one between your nose and your uppermost chin moves and stupid comes out. Anytime that you want to stop with that, that would work. We're all really happy. Well, the days of Wastrel and Oompa Loompa, like actual scientists, super smart guys, have kind of passed to some extent, so. Well, we've all kind of grown up. I mean, we're not just a bunch of rowdy 20-somethings beating on each other, so that... Now we're old men checking to make sure our Ben Gay is fully stocked up before we go and beat hey, on I each other. I use BioFreeze, thank you. It's higher quality and it's, it doesn't it's a, smell it's as much. Gel. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, were we going to talk about Hedge at all? The well, history? I, I think we wanted to, but I think uh, that Jerry just kind of touched on a point that we we kind of talked about before we started recording, but uh, we haven't really Look. explored a little bit. Which is kind of the differences between what Antifa is today in the popular media and what it is that uh, you do, Jerry. Well, I mean, what we do, rule number one, or at least my organization, we go where they go. The reason that we came up with that is the liberal misconception is, as we derisively call it, stay away and sway and pray have a unity rally across town, affirm that everybody loves each other in some kind of very... March through the streets and pink pussy hats, yes. That, that's, that's... Right. It. So, um, no, but this is, a, this is an important distinction, because you go where they go, if they didn't go, you wouldn't go. That's, that's something that seems to be lost on people. Like, there, there are, are there... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but are there Antifa rallies that you guys just show up independent of anything else that's going on it's like hey look at us fuck fascism like nothing you're not there to um no it's called a potluck and it happened and it happens in a friend of mine's backyard and we all bring food and no potato salad is accepted <laughs> okay so it, you i mean we kind of protesting we, we, we i mean there are 
I count amongst my active comrades one neurological intensive care nurse, one cancer nurse in a children's hospital, a legal secretary, a union organizer, a warehouse worker, two special ed teachers, um, <laughs> the blinding normalness of most of us would, would shock the hell out of you. We're, I mean, yes, there are the pink-haired punk rock types, but guess what? And they're there, and they're comrades, and some of them are talented and are movement lifers. Some of them will see. But a lot of us are blindingly average human beings that have a, a, a commitment to our politics and a commitment to do it. I am not the most physically impressive person that you are ever going to meet by a long shot. I can fight and I do train, but the central message of this is if I can do this, anybody can do this. Therefore, everyone should do this. And the quicker y'all get on it, the quicker we all go home. And so if you're going to explain this, like in your elevator pitch to somebody that just landed here from another planet or I don't know, Pennsylvania, uh, what would you what would you say? What, you say what what is this? You can do this. This is what I want you to do. This is what you have. You have. I believe that all people that would be free have a moral duty to oppose any exterminationist enemy. Make. I mean that we can't make any mistake about what these people's goals are. Their goals are clearly stated and clearly articulated. These are exterminationist goals. So for the record, and you are not in favor of conflict other than those who favor oppression. I mean, I may be a revolutionary class struggle anarchist, and that's a different story. But there is no requirement that you be be an anarchist to do this. We are functionally anarchist in our organization and in our social norms. There have been liberals and there have been communists that have been members and valued ones. There have, there have been liberals that, well, they weren't that valuable. I guess the, <laughs> the point I'm trying to illustrate is, is not, you're not going to bust down, you know, uh, suburban mom and dad's door, uh, that are because just living their life bad quietly. Because they said a bad word. Or, um, or even that they're just living their life quietly. You're, you're going after the people that are actively, w w what I think of as preaching hate. But Richard Spencer's of the world. Well, I mean, with a lot of our work against immigration and here, um, we do occasionally go to the suburbs and we will wire the neighborhoods of... Um, people that work for companies that have ICE contracts. That's perfectly normal. Yeah, flyering the neighborhood yeah. is not exactly knocking down a door. The point is, um, is that I think you're painted as the boogeyman to some in some aspects of of the society today. And I think the distinction that Neil made about <clears throat> your get-togethers, where you celebrate yourselves, are a potluck, not any kind of public interaction. Yeah, Nazi punks. There's a lot of there's a there, there's a lot of punk show going on, which, as a self-identified hippie, is one of those things that I just kind of put up with. <laughs> Believe like, me, I'm not in it for the music. Well, you don't like the Dead Kennedys? Is that even like 
uh, those guys just have a shitty take on everything. They they kind of yeah. Sorry, I, I'm going. Well, I'm a huge fan, and I'm going way off the the conversation here. But California uh, Uber Alice is well, like one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Well, I mean, I I I have a friend that used to date a dead Kennedys member, and yeah, they're all right people. I'm just that the line is like, die of organic poison gas. That it's, every time I'm in Whole Foods, I think of that. So, but I, I think the um, the the thing that would be important to get get through to people is that it's you. Actually, let me back up. This is one of the things that I've gotten myself personally, not not as a representative or even in an editorial position for Bullshito, but as as me speaking for me, I am. To you know, a lot of my consternation, I am in support of the punch a Nazi thing. However, with the caveats that the dude you should punch should be a goddamn Nazi, you should be one hundred percent sure you have. Oh, this guy published an article in which he uh, suggested that they should formulate strategies to wipe out an entire race of people, or he was uh, chanting blood and soil in the streets with a tiki torch, uh, that that kind of thing. It's like. Or- okay, or, I mean, as we, you know, when we're dealing with Nazi skinheads as opposed to our Sharpie friends. Yeah. Um, you know, w- when I look at them, I see a soldier in a uniform. They have insignia. That insignia has meaning. They're a soldier in a uniform. They're in an army that has declared war. And they have said that surrender will get me nothing but a gas chamber. Yes. And I understand they there is a... Get. There is a sense of urgency with which you guys, especially in the last few years, have pursued this. And I have lost friends over this policy of mine that I, I, it doesn't matter how nuanced I explain it. It's like, yes, you shouldn't indiscriminately punch anyone for, for those reasons. Only if you can genuinely confirm that this person is trying to... Not even that they're his ideals and he's in his head and he's just a shitty person. They're going out and trying to recruit people to the cause of wiping out entire races or people based on their race or just doing them harm based on their fucking immutable characteristics. And so if that's the case, legally, no, you're still, I mean, they're, they're, they're right. That's fine. But you also have a, the law doesn't always necessarily line up with what is moral. And in those, those, uh, those situations, you have the, the choice to decide to just do what is moral or do what is legal. And the line that I have drawn is that if Richard Spencer was within, like, arm's length of me, I would fucking punch him. Because he has tried overtly to get people coordinated in order to wipe out black people. Or, um, it it just, that kind of thing, fuck that guy. And yes, that's where I am. Now, some, the, some guy that's just random talking shit at the... Auto garage, uh, there's like, you know, the drops an N-bomb, that kind of thing. Or, you know, like maybe he even owns a little bit of Nazi paraphernalia because he thinks he's cool and he's a fucking idiot. He's like, oh, here, my grandpa makes a joke about, yeah, my, my grandpa died in the concentration camp because he fell out of the guard tower. That kind of shit. No, don't punch that guy. He's an asshole. Just move on with your life. Unless you see him handing out flyers supporting whatever Richard Spencer's little bullshit is. And is that guy, I don't even know if that guy's still a thing anymore because... For a while, every time he popped up in public, he was getting punched in the fucking kisser. Which is, I just that warms my heart. Um, he'll be back, and hopefully, he'll be punched. All right. So, what else is there? Anything that you want to talk about, Jerry? Um, 
I could literally talk. I mean, like I know you can talk. You all saw the size of the bibliography that I that I threw you, and it was abbreviated. Yeah, um, I, I've I've made it through most so, of that, and I actually wanted to play a clip um, because I I think it's relevant. There's nowhere I haven't found a great place to squeeze it in here, and we were listening to it earlier uh, before we started recording. But this is from the uh, the documentary uh, Invisible Revolution, or Revolution, and it's just it's a group of you guys confronting a group of white supremacists, and um, it, it goes I'll back. Give you the backstory on that when you're done. Yeah, go ahead. Actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 play it, and then you can you can fill in the details. So I think I'm at the right. I've got it queued up. Maybe let me move head a little bit. So what we're not seeing since we don't have video is uh, the guy standing there on the white supremacist side. He's basically surrounded by a bunch of you guys, and um, there's some back and forth. But then this this girl, this slight girl, just jumps into it and just gets into his shit. And uh, for as you can tell, she's super riled up and she's super emotional, but she still manages to come off with a. A passionate explanation for why she's she's not putting up with that shit. So I'm gonna play that. Let's hope the audio yeah. plays. Through. Why are you talking, motherfucker? Like that, why about? You know it too. Trying to get fucking chased around by fucking people like you. You know that? I've dedicated my life. I have three fucking Nazis in Columbus, Ohio that follow me on a weekly basis. I'm not fucking afraid of them. I'm not a Nazi. You know what? You might as well be if you support white power. My fucking grandfather lost all of his, all my family in the fucking Holocaust because of fucking people like this. I owe it to my grandfather and to my people to make sure that this never fucking happens again. I don't want no fucking Holocaust, no goddamn Nazis, people getting gassed because they're different. What the fuck's wrong with you? All right, that was March of 1999 in Kettering, Ohio, which is a suburb of Dayton. Um, and that was the high watermark um, for a clan group that existed in Ohio and Texas called the Knights of the White Camellia. They managed to get themselves a younger leader who was from, from that area. Um, they were based out of Logan County, Ohio, which is Bell Fountain, Ohio, because we refuse to, you know, actually pronounce anything with a French name, actually French. Bell Fountain, not Belly Fontaine, just like Versailles, Indiana. My, what awfully broad vowels we have. Um, and we put 800 people on the street that day. And the day before, we had to deal with a different clan group in northwest Ohio on the Indiana border in Defiance, Ohio, kind of near Lima, I guess, um, although Defiance is its own world, and that's its own story. And it was, it was a big deal. Kettering, Ohio had a, an award-winning documentary, another award-winning documentary filmed in it, um, called the last truck after the Chevy after the Chevy plant there closed. So yeah, it's sort of a perfect example where you have people exacerbating tensions in small and medium-sized cities that are undergoing rapid forced deindustrialization, and that is why the Midwest has been a flashpoint for all of my adult life. It, we don't, you don't deal with big clan rallies or big Nazi rallies in big cities here. Like I've been to two 
in Chicago proper, but I've been to quite a few in Chicago land. And there's the difference. Chicago proper mopped them right off. I remember one time we mopped them right off the street in about 15 minutes. Done. Done. Done, 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 gone. Tea with medals and tea with the queen. We're done. We're out of here. It's the edge cities with obvious official support that that you see these that you get these big rallies. Kettering was a high was a high water mark for that group. They never had a rally with a turnout that big after that. They had one more in Columbus where they were going to march armed from Bell Fountain about four months later, and we handled where they were going to march armed for 50 miles over two days and march to the state house. And we're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're not letting you do that. We don't care what anybody says. You do not get to, as the Klan, march to, with guns to the place where laws get made. Do you think they that's could even march for you 50 miles? That. That's a we hell of a care. hike. We don't care who protects you. I mean, 25 miles a day isn't a isn't a little little hike. So, I mean, I'm sure they weren't. They were, they, I, I, have, I have the feeling they were going to cheat a little bit, and I also don't care. Um, and rather than amp up the rhetoric, at that time we were we were doing well. We had enough money to have an office with staff and a two line phone. Like we had an office staff of four. You know, press calls up and says, "So the Klan's going to march armed." Are you going to be there armed? Huh. That's actually interesting. How do you answer that question? And that's that's uh, ARA. So that the yep, you guys weren't branded as Antifa at the time. But even if you were, uh, nobody would have really objected to it because, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the, the the European comrades, and we don't like nobody tries to. There are a couple of groups that will call themselves such and such city Antifa. But mostly, you know, they'll call themselves such and such city anti-racist action or this sharp crew or like they're Antifa is a generic moniker is, is, is a generic term. It's a category, not an organization. So for those that don't know, sharp is, stands for skinheads against uh, racial prejudice. It's a group dating back from the 70s. That far? Uh, late I, 80s. I remember in the 80s. Late 80s. Late, late right. 80s, New York City. <clears throat> late 80s, New York City. I have a vague memory of something involving not wearing the wrong color of shoelaces in your Doc Martens, or you'll get your ass beat, one way or another. Uh, yeah, la- um, yeah, lace laws were never uniformed all over. It's called lace laws, and they were never uniformed all over the country. However, generally speaking... If you see a skinhead with white laces in their boots, chances are they're a Nazi. Okay. Just you know, good to keep in mind because you go, I'm... You go, yo, what's up, white power? Yeah, because I, I'm follically challenged, and I I started shaving my head at, like, like 22. Just, yeah, so I've, I've gotten over it. it. It doesn't hurt anymore, but, yeah. So and, and I own, like, four pairs of Doc Martens because they're good fucking boots, so... They're like the best ever. Just don't lace them up with white, buddy. I'll keep them like the, the color they came with. All right, so we also wanted to touch on um, the lack of connection. Well, I'm not going to lead. 
lead it that strongly. Um, can you discuss um, the relationship between Antifa and communism for Jordy? <laughs> okay. Um, they're most communist groups would consider themselves anti-fascist. They fight. Some of them. Some of them whine. There is a history, obviously, going back to the 20s and 30s. That history is more complicated than they would let on. Within my organization, there have been communists. Many more in the beginning than there were a year or two later. They Why? They saw a mass fighting organization with a working class basis, so they all joined it thinking they could take it over. How did we keep from being taken over? We didn't have a central committee. There was nothing to take over. So they all denounced each other and left. <laughs> then tried to copy it and got bored. Um, there were a couple of communist groups, the smaller ones, that were able to participate in a pluralistic political organization in a principled fashion, not see it as a vehicle for advancing their party line or a way for them to make a party speech. Um, there has been communist participation in the organization that I'm in. They have never been a majority, and they have n never been in political control, and trying usually gets them pretty goddamn frustrated. Um, and it always follows the same thing. Attempt to take over, then denounce people, then um, do something stupid and get thrown at, and have a couple people thrown out, then claim you're being politically suppressed, and protest the conference from outside, and then fuck off and write nasty things about us in their newspaper that nobody actually buys. Wow. Okay. Uh, that that so, sounds like the history of the Russian Revolution, except for, you know, really, really compacted and a lot less starvation and death. So, um, Well, I mean, if you want to ask, why do communists sell newspapers? What is it with the newspapers? My, uh, ask Trump. No, 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 hold on. I have no, a story no, for this. I'll tell you what, because Lenin did it. Fair. Uh, okay. Lenin built the Bolshevik. Lenin built his party around the printing and sale and clandestine smuggling of the newspaper into Russia. Because yeah, he was German, wasn't and, he? He wasn't Russian. No, he was. He was Russian. He would just had to live in Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, okay. The yeah, German, the German, the Germans let him go through Germany into Russia on a thing because he because they're like, yeah, they want to get Russia out of the world real good. Okay. Um, Listen, he didn't have to go to Mexico. Trotsky says, what? Yeah. No, but I have an anecdote um, about this. Uh, this is, um, but, I'm showing my age. So. However, this makes no sense. So they still see it as a vehicle to building a disciplined revolutionary organization, except this is not Russia. This is not 120 years ago. And it makes zero sense if your newspaper is not illegal. Yeah. No, no, see, this is my story. I, and it's related to this, because I was at Lollapalooza in 92, I think, and I didn't know shit about anything in, in politics. And so I bumped into a, a dude with communist manifest manifestos, and he was like, yeah, man, let, you want to talk talk to me about this? I'll, I'll, I'll Here's everything that, that you need to know. And I was like, cool. And I, he handed it to me, and I took it, and I started to walk off, and he's like, oh, that'll be $5. And so I... <laughs> 
I mean, at what, 17, 16 or 17, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to explore the other political ideologies and circle back to this one. I, I, yeah, okay. So, um, Yeah, no, well, guess what? You want to know why? He's on the hook for that five bucks if you didn't pay him. Uh, uh, yeah. Even if I, I, mean, like, if I had a greater like, need based on, and he had a greater ability, uh, uh, p- political, uh, then, he might, then, then it would be up to him. But like, that's the point is, is they like the putting up with you is to instill discipline in him. Oh, so, so uh, if I could go back in time, I, yeah. I would have totally fucked with that guy. It would have been awesome. And. So hindsight's twenty twenty. Okay, so you you alerted to earlier that there is there it, it, you guys aren't adhering to a specific ideology. There's no political idea. Now a lot of you are anarchists or this or that, but there are there's room for liberals and where would you draw the line on somebody? Let's say uh, let's just say a, a libertarian who might have voted for Bush once in a while, uh, you know, once or twice, one, one or two of the Bushes, one or both, all, you know, all three times. Uh, and let's just, I mean, would you... Frost wants to know if you love him, Jerry. <laughs> Can we still be friends? <laughs> oh, God, no. I'm, I, I just say, if there was oh, well, somebody that's well, like me... Better looking right. with hair. I mean, in the unlikely event that somebody of that persuasion were to attempt to join one of our groups openly, all right, and somehow manage to keep themselves free of any bigotry, guess what? Show up, do your job, and don't let me catch you crossing the picket line. Yeah, because I honestly, I think, and this is way from my, my outside perspective, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I I'm mean, no scab. In, in the real world. Does not happen. <laughs> um, does 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 not happen. People people in people with that mindset. No, I mean I'm bad. And I, I know there are what? a lot of libertarians that are, you know, basically crypto racists. They're they they do believe that there's something a little bit better about them than others, and they 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 feel entitled to that position. But I I, I know that there are others that were just like the whole. What was it the the guy that ran on the campaign of the Libertarian Party is like, I just want my my uh, my gay black couples to protect their marijuana plants with guns, and that was his platform. So that I'm I'm sure there would be room for people that really fucking hate racists. Nuka gay baby whale for Jesus. That yeah, wasn't that John Bolton's uh, thing? Yeah, yeah, okay, totally. Uh, oh oh oh, that 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 guy, I have the walrus. Yeah yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> Trump called him into his a- his office and said, uh, "Okay, Your John, mustache. I must ask you a question." <laughs> not as bad as not as bad as the uh, Scaramucci got fandangoed. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Twitter. Uh, was it Twitter or Reddit? Uh, one of those still uh, measures the duration of somebody's uh, service in the Trump White House by mooches. So that that's a that's a that's a unit of measure, and I, I guess it was about ten days. So each ten days is a is a mooch. So B- Bolton lasts for however many mooches. Uh, that, that, Wilford Brimley. That's, um, that's how many mooches. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's actually um pretty pretty apt because I mean with the amount of grift and graft going on there, measuring anything around there in mooches is pretty good. Yeah, we we're. In, this you is know, the point in, where we've in, lost. In, in the administration of Fat Nixon. Hey, you know um, what? Rick Perry, 
former governor of Texas. Yeah, the still, guy that got a D in meats. St- still the Secretary of Energy. At least he's not Secretary. No, the fucking. Yeah, he oversees our nuclear weapons, but he does not see oversee our USDA, the Department of Agriculture, so that's good. So he can irradiate us, but he can't control our food, so yes. we're good. How do you um, don't laugh at Do not laugh at the Energy Department, because remember, they have Delta trained SWAT teams. No, I yeah, I, I would not laugh. The at Department the of Education department. has uh, they they ordered a bunch of shotguns, like Mossberg shotguns, a couple of years back. That was a big deal. It, it's, the I IRS mean, had like multi-thousand rounds of Also doing. has Delta Force trained SWAT teams. <laughs> Is there anything else uh, that you want to like? Hell, do you want to plug I something? Mean, I mean, there there is. I mean, anti-fascism as an ideology and a practice, you know, goes back you know, to the 20s. I mean, do you want to talk about the Spanish Civil War? Do you want to talk about... I mean, because we could talk about that all day and all night. All right, um, so we... Wait, let me let me interject here. We could, talk, we could talk about, like, how I came into it, how many of my peers now in our late 40s came into it, and that was as teenagers. I've been punching Nazis since Geraldo got hit in the face with a chair. I mean, I've been doing this in some way since high school because all of a sudden there were Nazis and they were assholes. And that's, that, that was a thing. Yeah. For instance, that woman who you played the audio of started out having to defend punk shows against Nazis here in Columbus. That's where she started in the, er- in the early 90s. How we started, my organization started in its first incarnation in 88, was a 16-year-old kid with a bunch of other anti-racist skins called the Baldy Syndicate were having trouble keeping the Nazis out of a neighborhood where all the kids hung out. I need, I need you to reference what, the bowling group. What? The bowling group. Right. What they did was they hooked up with these anti-racist skins hooked up with a bunch of punks that were also anarchists that met in a bowling alley and went by the the wonderful name Rabble, hmm. the Revolutionary Anarchist Bowling League. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Well, I don't care what your politics right. are, that sounds like a party. Um, well, yeah, take the skinheads bowling, take them bowling. Contrary to myth, well, the, the, balls, the balls have no hair, so it's magic. In the bowling alley, right? it was in a pizzeria. <laughs> um, but the but the anarchists did meet in the bowling alley where they, you know, bowl and discuss politics. You Dude, know, they put it together, so and that was the genesis of what spread really quickly, and then evolved through what we call the Sharp Nazi Wars of the late eighties, early nineties, and then. Okay, we won that war for the soul of the American punks. You know that doesn't belong to that. The, we're not fighting them for that anymore. It's ours. That's over. Next thing that happened was a Klan resurgence, ninety three, ninety four, and that escalated all the way through the nineties. If you think that what we're going through now is bad, it would have been worse if Clinton had won. You know, and um, when Trump leaves office, it's going to be worse. You're you're absolutely right. There's a there's a, a academic named Neil Ferguson, um, and I'm not biased toward 
because of his name. But <clears throat> sharp as fuck guy. He, he's like studied like power or hierarchies in, in different structures um, as a social scientist. But he, I mean, he says that Trump's victory was a little bit of a pressure relief valve for a lot of, like you mentioned earlier, the uh, people that are, are in depre- economically depressed, um, deindustrialized areas. And it was a relief valve for some of those people because after eight years of a well-spoken, brilliant black president who I mostly disagreed with in, on policy, but I he, mean, he was clean and presented well. Yeah, and he yeah was more of a family man example <laughs> of su- a superiority than a lot of these guys, these cousin fuckers. Um, he um, yeah, they, <laughs> after eight years of that, they they were just like, oh, I'm going to vote for the first. Yeah, asshole that, that calls Mexicans rapists. So, uh, and then blew off some steam. And I, I really do think you're right. And I'm really concerned about 2020, assuming that the Russians don't hack the fucking thing again. Um, which you know, um, we're gonna have to talk about that. Um, what evidence do you have that the Russians actually interfered with any voting machine? The voting machines themselves? No, none. Uh, but I, from what I know of this, and this this will people please fact check me, uh, is that uh, Cambridge Analytica uh, in um, was mining data from Facebook's Open Graph system in order to target mm-hmm. people, which is completely legal. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't hacked in the sense that it is a a. Hack, hack in the, the computer term is... Influence the election. Yes. Right. So hack does not mean breach. Hack means that you have found some creative way to solve a problem yes. using tools that you have, data that you have. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's been any sort of security breach. Yeah, so and that, there that wasn't. Up. I mean, these people uh, voluntarily uh, well, put their well, hold data on, on hold on, Hold on a minute, you guys. So I'm a professional hacker, so I kind of know what the term means. All right. Well, well, let me let me let me just go there on this. Uh, I I also have an academic degree in computer security, and um, I wrote a book on the actual hacking of election machines. Go ahead and plug it. Let, let's twenty twelve. Let's get it out there. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's on Am. Search my name on Amazon. It's there. I, you know, have fun. I don't see a dime for that one. Despite the other two, also. Um. That being said, okay. Now, you're talking about a Russian attempt to influence our elections using Cambridge Analytica. Now, let's talk about was that effective? How effective was it? How much money did they spend? Let's talk about scale. All right. And let's stay away from the word hack because it's not Russian election hacking. At best, it's Russian election trolling. Uh, trolling is a word that's been brought up in the last couple of years. I'm... I am loath to cede it to people who want to use it as in, in the modern sense that they have been versus the older OG internet uh, uh, troll uh, sense of uh, dudes like, trying to create chaos and have fun for for jokes. They don't. There's no agenda. There's just right. they want to fuck with people. Well, I think Let, that's exactly what they about, did. And the, it, 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 so this is not new. This was not something that was new with uh, the. Uh, election with trump in 2016 this actually goes right. back we, we had this with romney we had this with uh hillary before so you know this this is not new let's, let's, interference let's, is let's, not a new thing 
this has been going on well, for decades. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go to the gold standard here. The gold standard of documented interferences in election would be Ecuador in 1962. Why documented? Because Phil Augie, the former CIA agent, who was in charge of throwing that election, you know, went public with, this is how I did it, this was the code names of the units that I used, this is, this is what I did. And he admitted to spending more money on the election in Ecuador in 1962 than was spent by both sides of the election in America in 1964. When you were talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars of Facebook buys, although that's widespread, that is nothing compared in scale to what real election interference looks like. That's that there, there's just no comparison there. Second of all, when you're using targeted stuff, I need to see where people were like that Facebook ad, that thing that I read, that convinced me that I want to vote for Donald Trump and not Hillary Clinton, where previously I would have voted for Hillary Clinton. Was that bought targeted messaging, did that actually sway them? Was that swaying enough statistically to toss an election? Well, we can see the counties that flipped. Uh, FEC has all that stuff, or at least used to. I think their website's down conveniently. But um, I... I I don't know a methodology that would get past the hesitation of people have to admit that, yeah, man, I was scared of Mexicans coming over and taking my job and, you know, raping my poodle or whatever. They're Right, but they, but would those people have voted for Trump anyway? And what you're talking about is, and again, I was right nose deep in this, fully in my zone here. What you're talking about, people not wanting to talk about that and saying this is a discredited sociological theory called the shy Tory syndrome. Go ahead and say that again because I'm actually writing that down. The uh, shy Tory syndrome. Turing? Where people. Tory. Tory. Oh, Tory. Okay. Where people would not want to admit that they voted Tory on an exit poll. All right, not buying that one, not for any amount of money. Exit polls are the gold standard the worldwide. It's now, 2016 was the first time ever that you could not get access as a news organization that was not part of the consortium to the raw exit polling data. There was a lawsuit about this. I happen to know all about the lawsuit because my former, my former boss, my former editor was the attorney on the lawsuit. Where there was interference with the voting machines by somebody was Wisconsin. Did the Democrats sue over that for a recount? No, the Greens did. The bar got raised higher and higher and higher. Then somebody foolishly brought the Democrats in and they managed to kill it. Again, my former boss, and I was not working for him at the time either, but we're still, he runs the other alternative, he runs the other alternative uh, press outlet in this town. So like we talk all the time on the phone. He's also still my attorney. We just have editorial differences and we'll call it that. But no, I mean, we're friends. I mean, the election machines 
in Wisconsin were definitely interfered with, and they were interfered with so badly, I cannot blame anybody who has an intelligence agency that has an intelligence agency. There is no way that anybody, anybody who's ever seen a sociology, the inside of a sociology class would make the mistakes in the, de in the data that was obviously entered. Just like the 20, 2004 election here where in suburban Columbus you had a machine in um, Gahanna, it's a northeast suburb of, of Columbus, that returned more votes for George Bush than there were registered voters in the precinct. Cannot have, we call it the loaves and fishes machine. Yeah. There's a lot that, there's a lot that goes into election interference to do it right because it has to be statistically believable. And you can't accurately say that the Russians helped Donald Trump win. You can't say that. I can't, that can't be proven. I don't see the statistics and I don't see the number. Donald Trump did not win that election. No, I mean, he Hillary lost. Clinton lost. And there's two different, like, the, the lost being the active verb and one being the passive verb. Um, I mean, one thing we ought to talk about since we want to go back to the uh, Bullshito anti-fascist goon squad is um, Bullshito alumni Hedgehoggy being a national hero in Venezuela. Yes, I was trying to look up the name of that award. Uh, I we we might just uh, dump this into to the existing podcast because it's relevant. And he was, uh, I guess you could say, in a sense, he was Antifa as hell. Um, so what was what was the name Still of this? Like, I mean, order? He, was, he was he was one of the J twenty arrestees at uh, at Trump's inauguration for starters. Um, but yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he got an award from the Venezuelan government for defending their embassy during the recent unpleasantness. What was the name of the and award, it, do you remember? The Sword of Bolivar. Sword of Bolivar. Yes, it comes with an actual sword. Quinta de Bolivar. The embassy defenders got it collectively, yeah, so there's right. one sword for all of them, but yes. Hedgehoggy is, yeah. in fact, a winner of the highest civilian honor granted by the government of Venezuela. I'm trying to... Find They're equivalent of the Presidential Freedom Medal. You should yeah. cross-reference it with Venezuela. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because there's, there's like an episode of Narcos named that. Um, I thought it was the o Order of Bolivar or, or something, and that was a totally different thing. No, it's the, it's the Sword of Bolivar. It actually comes with a replica saber. Um, you get a book. All right. I will catch you guys tomorrow. Be well. All right, man. Take care. I'm thanks. Sweet. Thanks a lot. Right. That's the way to All right. Night. 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 And that was the episode. So I don't imagine this changed anybody's mind. If you went into this wanting to hear a conversation with somebody who's actually in Antifa and has been in Antifa for decades, you probably were receptive to their cause in the first place. If not, and you actually made it through this whole episode, and congratulations good for you buddy I'm proud I'm, you can get your gold star and or cookie at the forums on www.bullshito.net you can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter but you know we don't really like those people very much we just anyway check us out bye <laughs>